you know, the business advantages are there. And, and most of the people that we talked to in the last 12 to 24 months, um, they know the business case. They've probably paid a consultant to give them the business case. What they want to know is the personal side. They want to know about schools. They want to know about housing. They want to know about, you know, churches and, and civic activities. I mean, I have more conversations now with C-suites about, okay, I'm thinking about living here. Tell me, tell me what I need to know on the personal side. I don't need anything on the business side. I'm all good there. I need to know the personal. And so it's great because a lot of that is driven by that, that tax advantage that you get here. Hello and welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thank you for joining us. On today's show, we'll be replaying last month's Bank of Texas Speaker Series event entitled The C-Suite Perspective, which offered a vision of our region from top executives whose companies are now calling Dallas home. The discussion was moderated by Dallas Morning News Executive Editor Catrice Hardy and featured Robert Allen, the President and CEO of the Texas Economic Development Corporation, Sandy Cross, the Chief People Officer of the PGA of America, which is relocating its headquarters from Palm Beach Gardens, Florida to Frisco, Texas, and Joshua Friedman, co-founder of the hedge fund Canyon Partners, which relocated to Harwood District last year from Los Angeles. The talk was incredibly insightful and engaging, underscoring the tremendous growth the DFW has seen in the last decade, and we're excited to bring their perspectives to all of you. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to TrackCast on your favorite podcast app and follow us on social media for the latest from around Track. You could also watch the panel and some clips over on our YouTube channel. Go follow us there as well. We'd also like to recognize our event sponsors, Bank of Texas, Stuart Title, and the Dallas Morning News for their support of Speaker Series. And with that, here's our first Bank of Texas Speaker Series event of the year, the C-Suite Perspective, right here on TrackCast. We are so delighted to be here in person uh, for our first speaker series of the year, the C-Suite Perspective. You're in for a real treat with the program. I'm Kim Butler, Executive Vice President with Hall Group and your Trek Chairman for 2022. We cannot thank our generous sponsors enough, Bank of Texas, Stuart Title, and the Dallas Morning News for helping us present a compelling year of informative, insightful, and educational content. And thank you all for your multiple years of support of the Real Estate Council and our speaker series. TREC's mission is to cultivate relationships in the commercial real estate industry, to catalyze community investment, influence policy, propel careers, and develop the leaders of tomorrow. We believe that relationships are the lifeblood of our career success, community investment, and civic responsibility. I have been a member of TREK for years, and I value the meaningful relationships that TREK has afforded me. I could not be more proud to be your 2022 chair. We know firsthand what the members in this room are capable of and we have seen this organization experience successes. Successes ranging from playing a pivotal role in the initiation and realization of Clyde Warren Park, a game changer for our city, to forging through a global pandemic 
while continuing to impact the lives of our neighbors through the work of Trek community investors. And we do not rest on our laurels. Over the past few years, Trek has put considerable amount of time and focus and effort on diversifying our industry. I especially want to thank the commitment and hard work of Alex John with HKS, last year's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee Chair, and our current DEI Chair, Darren James with KAI Enterprises. We want career paths open for all people across Dallas and for all to be exposed to this incredible industry that we enjoy. In partnership with other organizations, we're building a foundation to establish pipelines to local talent and to provide resources so the emerging talent that we have will be successful. We are committed to not just being a part of, but a leader in these initiatives. And that is why this year Trek is honored as one of five companies by the Dallas Business Journal as a leader in diversity. And we've only just begun. We have shown and will continue to show what we are able to accomplish when we set ambitious goals for ourselves and strive to build the city we all imagine. But we're also known to have a pretty good time while we do it. To talk to us a little more about that, I'd like to bring up my friend, Craig Wilson, Executive Vice President with Stream Realty Partners and our 2022 Fight Night Chair. Thank you very much, Kim. Well, it's, uh, it's a little bit hard to believe that we're in February and we're here to talk about an event that's gonna take place in September here at the Anatole, but that is because as somebody at my table just said, fight night really is the event of the year and we're very excited. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with fight night, it really is Trek's signature event with a tremendous history. Everybody in this room will have lots of stories, many of which are, most of which are PG. Um, but it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's really the key initiative that funds many of the activities for the organization. Uh, last year's event set a record at $1.5 million, so the bar has been raised high, uh, and we look forward to striving to exceed or achieve that. Um, as I mentioned, this year's event will be here at the Anatole on Thursday, September 29th, and I'm pleased to use this event to announce the theme and the tagline for 2022, which will be Fight Night 2022 Breaking Ground a celebration of Dallas as a community that has broken ground on some of the greatest and most innovative real estate initiatives over the last hundred years, and the Real Estate Council is a groundbreaking force that shapes our community. So we're really excited to leverage off of those concepts to create a memorable night. Underwriting is underway. I'd like to do a quick thank you to those of you that have already uh, committed and re-upped sponsorships. A, a particular thanks to Vary for uh, signing on as our title sponsor again this year. Uh, committees are being formed right now, so if you are interested in getting involved, please feel free to reach out to me or uh, Lynn Dowdell, who is our vice chairman this year, Linda or Kristen at Trek. So please reach out. It's going to be a fantastic night. And right now I'll hand over the microphone to Jeff Montgomery with Republic Title to set up today's program. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for being here today. Um, uh, Appreciate everyone coming out. We're excited about this whole speaker series year and real excited about today especially. Everyone in the room uh, knows that 
there's been several years of uh, massive population growth uh, and companies moving here, um, which benefits all of us. Uh, there's challenges that come with that, but there's also great opportunities. We wanted to take a step back and, um, and kind of understand the reasons why this is going on. So today we put together a, um, an excellent group um, to explain what's going on and how come we're getting so many Texans all of a sudden. Um, uh, the panel has three people today. Josh Friedman, founder of Canyon Capital. Sandy Cross, uh, the chief people officer of PGA America. Uh, Robert Allen, president and CEO of Texas Economic Development Corporation. And we're lucky enough to have Catrice Hardy um, be the moderator. She's the new executive editor of the Dallas Morning News. So um, I'd like to welcome all four up to the stage. Uh, their full bios are in the program, so please check them out. Thanks. Yeah, I think so. Hello, everyone. We are all honored to be here and incredibly excited about this discussion today. So before I get started, I wanted to mention that my family and I have only been here six months and we're proud to be new Texans. Um, also, as editor of the Dallas Morning News, we are focused all the time on our journalism, journalism that actually inspires and highlights all the wonderful aspects of our community, but more importantly, if it points out problems, it's doing so to help our community prosper. And for that reason, I'm excited about our conversation today. So let's get started. I was doing a little research and found out that Texas is only one of four states in the country who has been able to regain all of the 1.4 million jobs that it lost after the economic shutdown. Utah, Arizona, and Idaho were the other four. Our economy prospers in a number of different industries, from the business sector to the financial sector. So Robert, how have we been able to regain our jobs, and what makes Texas so special? Sure, Catrice, thank you. And first, let me say to Linda and her team at Trek, thank you for having me. It's an honor to share the stage with Sandy, Josh, uh, as well, so thank you. And You know, I, I think, Catrice, when you, when you look at it, and first of all, we're all Texans, right? So we're very proud of the fact that we are the biggest state by a mile on that list, I'll point out. Uh, although our friends in Arizona would probably jab me a little bit for that. But um, when you think about Texas's recovery from the pandemic, you know, I remind people about where we went into the pandemic. We were uh, firing on all cylinders. I mean, everything was working. We were at the top of the list of every single reputable, credible business list you could imagine. Our trophy cabinet is overflowing with, you know, every single piece of hardware you could hope to attain. And so when you enter... Um, is something like the COVID-19 global pandemic at that position. Um, you know, as long as you keep your eye on the prize and, you know, keep focused on what got you to that position. In other words, put business first. Governor Abbott's very clear, you know, he says, look, when businesses succeed, Texas succeeds. And so that mindset, I think, ultimately then, as you've seen, 
with the listing of the lifting of the restrictions, uh, opening up the state 100 percent, you know, has gotten us um, out of the pandemic in, again, I'd, I'd argue, uh, the best position of, of the most populous state. Um, and, and then one other key piece, which then dovetails into the second part of your question, and that is it's the people of Texas. The, the people of Texas are entrepreneurial. They're aggressive. Uh, they don't apologize for being a Texan. Uh, I was born and raised here in this great state, uh, right here in Dallas. And, you know, there's just something about being a Texan. You're proud of it wherever you go. Um, and so I think that also helped Texas get out of the pandemic quicker than other states. Uh, and I think that also is one of the key reasons why uh, not only Texas, but the Metroplex here in particular um, does so well. And hopefully we can get into that later. But it's, there's no doubt about it. The people here are the best. And that's, that's one of the biggest reasons why we are where we are right now. Yeah, it's a note that, you know, our region has had 3.6% unemployment rate. And while the state has 5%, that's comparably lower. So our region is doing a great job. Josh, I'll ask you of what Robert just discussed, what factors really had you guys thinking, you know, Canyon Partners really needs to move to Texas? Um, and what other states did you guys consider? Um, just to be clear, we moved our headquarters here. We still okay. have an office in Los Angeles that's okay. actually at the moment at least larger than the one here, okay. although I would anticipate those will be more equal and eventually probably be more heavily weighted here. Okay. And we have offices in New York and London and elsewhere. Um, there's sort of a push and a pull. Sandy and I were talking about this a little bit before because she's kind of an interesting case having moved from Palm Beach yes. where you don't have the same push to get out because you're in a low-tax, more affordable state. Right. Um, there were certain things that made Los Angeles a very exciting place to have a business many years ago, and a lot of those things have gotten more difficult, um, whether they're cost of living, whether it's the length of the commute, whether it's property prices, um, whether it's the quality of public schools, um, and whether it's the easy availability of private school alternatives, um, plus generally, um, Robert talked about the attitude and the, and the um, welcoming sense of being, uh, of actually applauding business success. Um, I, I believe that um, in the state where I lived, business success used to be applauded and it was tremendously exciting. And I don't feel that way any longer, to be perfectly candid. Um, whereas, uh, so, so we started looking at other places uh, really to give alternatives to our employees where we could hire, where we could have, a, have all those factors that I just talked about. And we looked at a lot of different states. And, and I think, and we looked at a lot of cities. We looked in Austin, we looked in Dallas, we looked in, um, in Nevada, in Reno, which uh, we met with the head of EDON, the Economic Development Authority of West Nevada, which has so many businesses moving to it. Um, we looked in um, Palm Beach, we looked in Miami. Uh, so we looked at a lot of cities. I talked to people like uh, the, the senior uh, guys at Goldman Sachs who were doing very detailed studies of a number of different states and tried to find a place that felt comfortable and welcoming and that would provide a lot of those, a lot of those things and also provide the excitement and the a sort of rejuvenating factor that you feel when you go to a new place. Mm -hmm. I felt that way when I moved from New York to Los Angeles to work for Mike Milken when he was not really a very well-known character in the business world. Mm -hmm. And it was extraordinary and um, having that, being a part of that excitement was a great thing. And I felt a, a change, of, a change of, of location could provide that. And, and we haven't been disappointed. We felt that Dallas could offer that combination of affordable homes, mm -hmm. of, of reasonable commutes, 
extraordinarily rich group intellectually. And that, that's a very, very big deal. Um, you don't have to look far in Dallas to find really sophisticated investors, really sophisticated um, people in the real estate business, in the finance business, in the arts, in the humanities. It's a real city, and it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better because it's very clear that the state very much wants to be a, a, a mecca for people looking for a, a hospitable place to do business. So it really stood out to us. Um, we liked Austin a lot. My, my, son's, uh, my son's firm has moved its headquarters to Austin. Okay. Um, I felt it was more difficult to move a larger population of people there comfortably with schools and residences and everything else. And, and Dallas um, had a very at-home feeling for us. Okay. Um, by the way, the city was designed by some of the same landscape architects who, who laid out Los Angeles, which is why so many of the street names are actually the same in Beverly Hills. Okay. Beverly, Crescent, Lexington, and so forth. That's not a coincidence, it's actually the fact. So it felt comfortable to us, and, and as we've come here, um, we could not have had, on a, on a personal level, a more welcoming environment. So those are just a few of the, a few of the many reasons. Um, but I, I think it has, it has, if anything, far exceeded expectations. So excitement, which we'll get back to, Josh. Um, I'd love to hear more about what that uh, entails. And, but Sandy, let's talk about you. Two very different businesses. So Sandy, as you know, is with PGA of America. I've heard a number of people walk up to go, oh my God, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> so she's kind of got the best seat in the house tonight. Sandy, tell us about your company and you know where, why you guys were thinking about leaving, more importantly, and where you were trying to go. Like, what states did you look at? Why our area? Absolutely. And Catrice, thanks so much. I'm incredibly honored to be here and have this opportunity to meet so many of you and network and have this really important dialogue. Um, as Robert mentioned, we're currently headquartered in sleepy little Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Beautiful spot on the map, but it was time for a change, really, as we thought about um, not only the next generation of the PJ of America, but the next generation of the sport of golf and what we need to do to take that to the next level. And our vision at the PGA of America is to create not only a game of golf, but a golf industry workforce and a golf industry supply chain that truly reflect the demographics of America. There's currently about 25 million in the United States that play golf. There's 2 million jobs in golf annually in the US. And golf is an $84 billion a year industry in the US. Um, so as we thought about what is it gonna take to get there and to catapult ourselves, um, not only to be able to sustain the sport, but to grow the sport in the next generation, we knew that we needed to make a move. Um, we conducted an RFP process to uh, 60 different markets across the United States, so we went far and wide, just really threw it out there. Um, and there was a short list that, that quickly rose to the top, and, and Frisco was at the top of that list, really from the get-go. Um, the, you know, Josh, you touched on it, the, the warm welcoming was incredible, has been incredible, is incredible. Um, but, but let me back up for a moment. We are a professional trade association. We represent 28,000 men and women who have elected a career in the business of golf. They teach the game, they coach in the game, they manage the business of golf at 10,000 golf facilities around America. So these are your local club professionals or your local golf professionals. So as Catrice, as we thought about 
educating, recruiting and educating the next generation of PGA of America golf professionals, this was the market that we wanted to do it in. Uh, we quickly bought into the vision with the city of Frisco to become Sports City USA. Very attractive for us. As part of our home office and as part of the expansive PJ Frisco campus, we are going to have our PJ of America Education Center on campus. So that's where PJ professional individuals will become uh, accredited as PJ professionals, and they'll also come through that campus for their continuing education, which they're all required to do um, every 36 months. So just an incredible opportunity, um, and, and frankly, some things that sound so simple. It's far easier for people, including our PJ members, to be traveling out in and out of Dallas than West Palm Beach, Florida. Big difference. We're a very uh, travel-heavy business, travel-heavy staff, um, also a major media market. You know, we think about the championships that we own and operate, the PGA Championship, the Senior PGA Championship, the Women's PGA Championship, potentially bring, bringing a Ryder Cup to the city of Frisco. The ability to broadcast them from this market onto a global stage is super impactful. Um, and then, of course, you know, back to my, to my statement earlier about creating an industry workforce that mirrors America, the talent opportunity in this market is tremendous versus a Palm Beach Gardens, West Palm Beach, Florida. Great. So you were talking earlier about roughly 80 employees are here now, I believe, from your company. And so I'll mention this to you, Josh, because you talked about your son's company relocating to um, Austin. You know, last year the DFW um, area led Texas with new residents with 63,000 compared to Austin's 48,000. You can tell your son's company that. I hope it's, if it's not too late. <laughs> um, but the question I had really about that was workforce readiness, right? That's a key area, a key issue that you hear in a lot of actually big metropolitan areas where you wouldn't think that would be an issue. Talk to us a little bit about that workforce readiness. What did we have here for your company, Josh, first, and then yours, Sandy, um, that really helped you feel like not only can my company move here, but we can thrive and grow because of that? You know, the first day I moved here, which is October 1st, we had started our office on June 1st, um, and we didn't force anybody to move. Okay. Um, we, had, we took an office that would accommodate 60 people. We had about, as I said, about 180 in LA and then in these other offices. And we thought we'd get 20 or 30 people, but you can't do this without leadership. Like, if the leadership doesn't move, people won't, won't go. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I, among, among others in the top at our company, decided to make a commitment to move. And um, I spent the first day just talking to everyone in the office. Almost everyone at every level had bought a house. Um, from a $300,000 house to much, much more expensive homes. Um, they moved their kids into schools and didn't have tremendous difficulty finding quality education, whether it was public education in certain parts of the market or private education, and they had alternatives. Um, one of my employees said, you know, I feel like I have a 10-year start head start on my retirement oh, wow. because the cost of living is so much lower, um, and, and his after-tax savings are much, much higher. So, um, so the women and men uh, have been tremendous. Um, it's not an easy labor market. As you point out, unemployment is very low, so people have alternatives. And, but that's true generally. But try, try looking at what someone's standard of living is like in LA who's an entry-level uh, employee, and, and it's quite difficult, or, or in New York. You know, lots of, lots of young people want to be there when they get out of school. It's a lot of fun. It's a 
a, a real locus of activity. But by the time you grow up and you have a couple of couple of kids and you've got a husband and you're both working and you're trying to make ends meet and you're trying to save for your own retirement and also provide a nice standard of living and a nice culture. Um, Texas is just, it's a, Dallas is a sensible market for that. So it's not about um, what we're doing at the top of our workforce, it's really what we're doing in the middle of it, which is where most of our employees reside. And that's most of our employees you know, sure, there's always a few people at the top who are the executives who would love to pay less in taxes, but the vast majority of our employees, it was really about an entire um, change in their, in their lifestyle and for their families. And, and it made a very big impact and it, and it is making it immediately. How many employees do you have here, Josh? We didn't talk about We have about 60 so far. We pretty much had to stop it because we ran out of office space. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Maria Stamolis is one of our co-eds of real estate is here today, and she did an extraordinary job at getting us fitted out in a good office um, that worked for us like, immediately, which I was amazed with, that we could pull off. But we're already looking to expand it next year because it wouldn't surprise me if we had another 40 here next year. And, and, and it is, I think... I think it is easier to hire here. Mm -hmm. um, it's still difficult every place right now, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I think we see more qualified candidates here right now than we're seeing, seeing there. Um, but that's, that, those things ebb and flow. I think, uh, I think with the headquarters here, it also makes that a little bit you know, self-effectuating. Sandy? Mm -hmm. Well, I think about our workforce in, in a couple of different buckets. From a pure corporate perspective, we've got about a total of 300 employees. And when you think about workforce readiness, the depth in this market is really, really attractive. Um, in partnerships with UNT, for example, we have a very strong partnership with them. Uh, we have an emerging partnership with Texas Workforce Solutions. So those types of relationships are really helping us identify and tap and attract that talent. Um, but I also think about our championships. In the next 12 years, we'll host 26 championships on the PJ Frisco campus. And for each of those championships, um, our vendors, uh, the companies that help us build the city, if you will, for a championship, could be uh, food and beverage, could be transportation logistics, uh, could be decor, um, hospitality, floral, anything you, you would think you might see at a championship, all of those vendors need to source subcontractors and workers from the local community. They don't come into the market with those individuals. So there's a very comprehensive um, temporary workforce that we need to power those championships. And this is a great place to be able to tap into um, to, to help our vendors fill those thousands of shifts leading into the championship, during championship week, and also post-championship for the breakdown. Then there's also a, a very in-depth volunteer workforce that we need to power those championships. For our major spectator championships, depending on, the, on which one, we'll need anywhere from 2,000 to 4,000 volunteers. So incredible opportunity, we think, um, in this market to fill uh, opportunities across those three buckets. Robert, when your organization is talking to companies, and based on all the things we've talked about today, I think you might have one of the easiest jobs in that. <laughs> there are a lot of pros here to getting a company to come. Um, but what, what themes do you hear consistently as maybe top challenges that they might face in relocating to, to our area and to Texas? And, and how do you work with them and, and point them in the direction of saying, hey, I can check that off. That's not an issue now, as I thought. Sure. Uh, well, and first, if you can't tell, I mean, I have like a permanent grin on my face. 
I was one of the ones that immediately came up to Sandy and was like, thank you, thank you. I donate a lot of golf balls and I'm so glad you're here. Um, but I mean, these, these testimonials, you know, I mean, I mean you can't, you, I mean, you, frankly, you can't buy this kind of testimonial mm -hmm. um, because this is what they've experienced. Um, but you talk about challenges and it, look, growth is not without challenges. And, you know, I think one of the number one challenges that we hear is talent, right? Access to talent. And, you know, I'd tell you five years ago in this business, it was, tell me about the incentives. Tell me about, you know, how you can help us, you know, reduce the, the cost. Now it's all about talent, talent, and talent. And, and we're, we're actually seeing companies, very, very large companies, and small companies for that matter, that are foregoing financial incentives just because they want to be in Texas so bad. Um, and so they're willing to, you know, leave that um, on the sideline because of the other benefits. Josh did a great job of articulating, you know, what that, that talent is experiencing, you know, um, whether it's education and housing and, you know, the, the ability to get plugged in instantly. Um, but no, no, the, the country is seeing challenges in talent. We are not immune to that either. But, but the good news with that, as I remind people, is we're one of the fastest growing states in the country. You are in one of the fastest growing MSAs in the country. Um, you are seated, you know, what, number nine, number 12, I think, the size of cities that are separated by 30 some odd miles with one of the best, if not the best, in my humble opinion, international airports right in the middle. Sandy talked about this, and I can't, I can't tell you how many times we hear in conversations with, with decision makers, hey, tell me about your airport. Show me how many flights directs you have to Asia. Show me how many directs you have to Europe. And it, it, we're just like, yeah, great. <laughs> Let me show you. Um, you know, another challenge, um, you know, is, is uh, the housing front, right? Um, now, I'm in Austin, so, you know, I, I know what a, a challenging housing market's like. Uh, by the way, if anybody wants to buy my house, I'll happily sell it to you, but I have no place to go. Um, you know, but, but that, that's, um, uh, again, that's a challenge that arises out of rapid growth. Um, now, again, great news here is you've got unbelievable amounts um, of what I'll call other markets that are plugged into the Metroplex, but don't have to be plugged into the Metroplex. Frisco's at the top of the list. Irving, McKinney, um, you know, you can just go on and on and on. Arlington is really coming on strong lately. So these are cities in and of themselves that you might, if you're lucky in other major urban environments, get one or two of those. Mm -hmm. You know, here you have multiple options. They're, they're building rapidly. Um, and so again, I think that's a, that's a temporary challenge. I think that challenge, um, you know, will, will ultimately go by the wayside. And then finally, I just, I think there's a, a long-term question about the impact of the pandemic, right? In terms of office environments, flexible work environments, what does that mean? I look at that as an opportunity, not a challenge. Because I know in Texas, as I said at the very beginning of the conversation, the attitude, the attitude here is let's roll up our sleeves and, and get it done. Solve the problem. We're going to be faced with challenges again. Um, that, you know, challenges are, are not anything new to Texans. We deal with them all the time. We face them head on. And so I think, again, the response to the pandemic is a good indication of what you're going to get long term. I know I'm sure in this room there's lots of concerns about office space and what that's going to really look like. The reality is, you know, Texans, and especially those, although I do like all my children equally, but North Texas is one of the leaders. <laughs> uh, so I'll tell you that. You know, you get up every day and you want to make a difference. And you get that mentality here. So again, I don't necessarily categorize it as a challenge. I see it as an opportunity because I don't think you get that in some other areas of the country that, uh, that will remain nameless. So we'll dive into housing. Um, as someone who moved here from South Carolina trying to find some permanent housing, <laughs> it's been a bit difficult. But, um, you know, four states, uh, 
three states have pretty much rate up 40% of our new resident growth, and that's California, New York, and Illinois. In most cases, those folks are coming and saying, hey, I've got a cost of living that's a whole lot better for my lifestyle. Not really sure about Florida for you. And so talk about relocation assistance for your staff. You know, how are you able to work with them, provide them those services that they need, housing, education? Talk to us about that package that you've, offered, you've provided them and, you know, what are their concerns or actually the things that they love about living here? It's interesting because we've been relocating our people over a very long period of time. Um, I would say two and a half years now, um, and it, it'll come really fully to fruition uh, this June. So it's been a very long road. Um, we feel that the relocation incentive packages that we've offered our people are very, very robust. Uh, we did that intentionally. We also made a decision early on, we were gonna work with a, a relocation management firm. We had, we had frankly gone very far down the path with one, a great firm, but at the last minute we decided, you know what, let's step away from that, take the dollars we would have spent with that company and put them into the incentive packages for our people to enrich them even more. Uh, now that administratively has been a very heavy lift on our small people team at the PJ of America, so that's been a challenge, but we were able to enrich those packages and I think that was meaningful. Um, I, I can't say enough about the educational opportunities here. Uh, whether it's with FISD or UNT or Collin College. Um, and we do have incentives, educational incentives for not only our employees, but also their, their children um, who are at you know, college university age to benefit from, so that's been attractive. I will say though, a very emerging question the last six months that we're getting from the individuals who have not yet relocated uh, is inflation, cost of living, uh, are you going to enrich the packages? We have not changed the packages at all since day one. Uh, we've been pretty adamant about not changing them, but I'm starting to feel a little bit of pressure from this remaining group who hasn't made the move yet um, that maybe we do need to do something. So we're looking, uh, we're looking closely at that to see if we, if we need to make an adjustment. Okay. Um, so one thing that's great about Texas, you all, we've all talked about that is, you know, that low tax business friendly um, environment and those policies that have been put in place to help companies come here um, and to welcome them. Robert, walk us through um, from your experience when, when companies are, are looking at which state, maybe it's down to two or one, how does that those, those low tax policies really kind of set them over the edge? What, what benefits does that provide a company at the end of the day? Well, it's huge. Um, you know, Catrice, when, I mean, when you think about you know, some of the personal, personal tax liabilities that are incurred in other states. Um, and, and when I talk about this, I always want to set the table. I, I'm not just talking about high net worth individuals. That, that's great, right? Um, and, and the difference that you can make, you know, at that level is tremendous. But this is for, you know, the, the uh, we talked about earlier, Josh talked about earlier, kind of the middle, you know, meat of his company, right? You know, so, so I always want to set the table. This is at all levels of income. It's, it's meaningful. And, you know, what's great about Texas is that everybody knows something about it. So, you know, we, we walk into a, you know, a conversation with people and, you know, they know something. Now, sometimes it's a little bit off basis, right? Uh, you know, my horse, by the way, is tied up outside, um, you know, and my cowboy hat's at the table, but that's fine because that means they know something about us and, and that's great. I don't have to say, hi, I'm from, you know, South Dakota. And by the way, we're up, you know, by the Canadian border. Um, but when you talk about the tax policies, you know, what they really want to know when it gets down to the nitty gritty is, okay, so what does that mean for me? You can do the math and you can figure that out quickly. 
But then it becomes how that can translate into the ability to improve their quality of life. And so I, that's a shift that we've seen over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Sandy, I think you were talking about it perfectly, right? And you know, inflation certainly is a concern on people's mind. And we tell people, you know, look, it really is this good in Texas. We promise you. And so again, they, they, they get the math picture done for them, right? Their accountant can quickly tell them. But then the question is, well, then how does that translate? And, you know, the quality of life aspect, I can't, I, I can't emphasize this enough. You know, the business advantages are there. And, and most of the people that we talked to in the last 12 to 24 months, um, they know the business case. They've probably paid a consultant to give them the business case. What they want to know is the personal side. They want to know about schools. They want to know about housing. They want to know about, you know, churches and, and civic activities. I mean, I have more conversations now with C-suites about, okay, I'm thinking about living here. Tell me, tell me what I need to know on the personal side. I don't need anything on the business side. I'm all good there. I need to know the personal. And so it's great because a lot of that is driven by that, that tax advantage that you get here. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, other states have it too. So let's, let's be honest, you know, we, we have our competition, Florida, Arizona, and elsewhere. But then you start layering on the other pieces and that other quality of life perspective. And again, last comment I'll make is, I think of all the bad that, that the pandemic brought on, and there was lots of it. Um, a, a good positive that came out of that was a focus on true, flexible work environments, work-life balance. We, we talk about work-life balance. But the pandemic, I think, has forced leaders to really think about what that means for the workforce. I'd, I'd be really interested in Sandy's thoughts on this. But in Texas now, you've gotten the ability. So, okay, you're a little bit flexible on maybe a Friday afternoon. Well, the great news is in Texas, especially here in the Metroplex, the world is your oyster, what you might want to go do. I, you know, there's other cities, again, who remain nameless where, you know, it's 12 degrees outside and, you know, there's 14 feet of snow. So good luck. Go figure it out. You know, what are you going to do? So I, I think a lot of our conversations lately starts with the tax advantages, but then it quickly translates into, well, tell me about all the rest of the personal side of it. That's a story that I love to tell because uh, it's a story that's very, very good. Again, the DFW Metroplex is at the top of the list when you want to talk about you know, that type of quality of life, arts, you know, the, the symphony, I mean, you know, Sports City USA, I mean, all of these things go into the picture. So it's not just about the business side of it anymore. I would, just, I would just echo Absolutely. that comment if I could. Um, the first place we looked was Florida because that was the natural place to go. And if we were just thinking about you know, the, the senior partners at the firm, Florida would have been a much more natural place to go. You've got this incredible exodus of financial firms going from New York to Miami and to Palm Beach. Um, we would have walked in knowing half the community. It would have been easy. Um, cost isn't that big a factor, et cetera. But then when you thought about a couple of other things, one was the, the as I said, the meat of the firm. Where, where is it really going to be impactful for people and for, for a lot more people and a lot better for more people? Um, it, was, it was really almost immediately obvious that, that you'd have a great deal more success at providing some significant additional runway and, and all those other amenities in, in, in a place like Dallas than you would in, in some of the other major cities in, in Florida that were already very crowded, had a lot of the same issues that, that you said a lot of the larger cities where we're all coming from, the, the source cities. Um, uh, and, and while it could have worked, it would not have worked nearly as well as Dallas. Um, the, the other thing is that um, 
because of the way Dallas is situated, it's not one city and then you just go out further and further until you're out in the middle of nowhere. All these other cities that we talked about, with, um, whether it's Frisco or whether it's Plano or whether it's, it, it, it provides a very interesting um, development opportunity and interesting uh, alternatives for our, for our employees where we locate. It wasn't as simple a decision as, ah, let's just go in the middle of uptown. Um, but I think, um, I think it was it was it was pretty much exactly what Robert was saying. The first the first blush, you go, ah, taxes. It really wasn't about that at all at the end of the day. It was one of many factors, but the other factors really came to be dominant as we as we spent more time thinking about it. Sandy, would you like to answer that? Yeah, I was just gonna build on the point about how important the personal elements are. And very early on after we announced that we were going to relocate. Uh, we had individuals from the city of Frisco, the EDC, the Chamber of Commerce, UNT, FISD, all come together at once, including the mayor, to Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, to talk to our people. They held an evening function. The next day, half day, they did an open house. Like That was really, really valuable. So people could talk one-on-one, -on -one, ask their very personal questions about all the things you mentioned, you know, churches and activities, and the personal uh, is so important, uh, more important than the, than the business professional career decision. It's a long-term relationship. We, we tell people Catrice all the time, like, and let me be very clear, I like to win. <laughs> I don't like to lose, but it's not just about the win. The win is the beginning, not the end. And, and that's, I think, part of the recipe for success in Texas is that we see it as a long-term relationship. If you're successful, you're going to build. It's going to be very hard for you to look elsewhere when you want to expand. Um, and so it's a long-term relationship. And uh, you, you see that across the board for sure. So you think about L.A. and California and just kind of that thriving cultural scene and like the beach. I've spent a lot of time in Florida as well. Um, you know, but I, I've personally been really surprised by how much there is to do here culturally and how civically engaged the, the um, this our, our uh, community is, from CEOs to employees. Walk me through, you know, what you've experienced, what has surprised you culturally that we have here, um, and about that civic engagement maybe that you were shocked by. Well, there's, there's a very high level of, of civic engagement, and, and uh, part of the game for us is to say, okay, we, we don't want to immediately get consumed by all the new civil opportunities for civil engagement. We'll let that evolve a little bit as we get to learn the community. But people are so well-intentioned and so eager to involve you in what they're doing away from their businesses. It's been terrific. Um, I, you know, the, the, there's nothing like you know Paris, London, New York. You know, these are extraordinary magnets with you know multi-hundred-year advantages over other cities in the world in terms of you look at the collection at the Met is. I, I was with my son in, in the Museum of Modern Art. I have a son who's at Stanford, and we're standing in one of the rooms. And he says, Dad, the art in this room exceeds the value of all of the art in the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Wow. And he's right. It did. You know, there's Jackson Pollock. There's a gigantic Picasso. I mean, incredible, um, incredible rooms there. Um, that's a product of passage of time, but that doesn't make it any less exciting to be in LA at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, and the same with the Dallas Museum of Art, and the same with the Nasher Collection, and the same with the Dallas Symphony, and the same with um, the museums in Fort Worth, which are really extraordinary. I had a day a few weeks ago, my wife was out of town, and I just drove there myself, and I just walked through uh, the Kimball, and I walked through, and I, and I, and I had a, a, and then I walked through the Fort Worth Modern Art Museum. Um, these are all institutions that are on the move. We know they're going to be on the move. They're going to continue to change. There's a new restaurant like every other day here. And, and you know, my son was very disappointed that 
that uh, a particular restaurant was re relocating in the middle of uh, Highland Park, and he said, why don't they have a local restaurant? I don't want them to bring a New York franchise here. <laughs> um, but, but they see the opportunity. So um, I, I think you can't look at it like it's a static thing and say, ah, here's where the state of the art here, and compare this and say, oh, I'm going from, you know, LA to I'm going, you have to look at look out a few years. And with the population changing the way it is and with the people coming in and with the degree of civil engagement, um, these institutions are all going to evolve and they're going to evolve quickly. And for people who are interested in those things, you can be part of that evolution and get involved or you can sit back and just enjoy the ride. But no matter how you cut it, it's going to be great. And, and it's changing. I mean, I just, the restaurant scene, which I'm slowly discovering here, um, is, is there's a new great restaurant every week here. And, and I think that that is only going to continue. So I'll put in a plug for the Dallas Morning News real quickly. We have now two food writers because the food scene is <laughs> happening here. Wow. So, um, and, and actually, I personally need to slow down on all the restaurants I've been trying. So. <laughs> Sandy, what happened? Yeah, you? if I could just follow on that. Uh, something that really surprised us in, was the number of community-based organizations that have reached out to us that want to partner in some way, shape, or form. And for whatever reason, that just wasn't the case in Palm Beach, Palm Beach County, Florida. Um, so as a result, all of these organizations reaching out, uh, we launched a program with our employees called PGA Cares. So every employee now on an annual basis gets um, 16 paid volunteer time off hours to go connect with whatever community-based organizations they want. You know, we'll do some organized programs with certain, uh, certain uh, organizations, but you know, if a PJ employee wants to go volunteer at something that they're passionate about um, and do that on their own, we support that as well. And it really plays into the work-life balance component that you talked about, Robert, and you know, what you get back personally from volunteering as well as what you're giving, it, it's just so fulfilling and so enriching and, and helps our team members achieve a greater balance in their life. So we've been just incredibly surprised by the outreach from those local organizations. So we've just got a few minutes left. What I thought I would do is um, ask each of you to share maybe a personal story, um, just a last parting words for our audience about you know, why our region has been able to attract you, um, attract you guys here, and anything else that you'd like to share about the experience so far. I'll start with uh, you, Josh, and then Robert. Yeah. That's a hard one. There, they, these happen every day. I mean, literally every day. We, there's another way that we get that warm welcome, and 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 I think getting involved in the in the community is is one way. But I'll, I'll share one. I was talking to my chief operating officer back in LA in in September, and um, and I had been during the prior week. I had been in Austin as well as in Dallas. You know how all those people who track your phone figure out where you start. You go to Austin, you start getting weird, unrecognizable numbers that say Austin, Texas. So I had the unrecognizable Austin, Texas number, and I said, "I'm sure this is one of those guys trying to tell me how to pay off my student loans, but let me just pick it up." <laughs> and I and I and I picked it up, and it was, "Hey, Josh, this is Governor Greg Abbott," and he, and 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 he's telling me how happy he is that we're relocating. Do I know any other people relocating? You know, please. Here's my cell phone. Text me if you know somebody. If I text him, boom, instant text back, and he's tell, talking to other people. That doesn't exist in other states. That's not normal, you know. <laughs> and, and it's great. I mean, he doesn't know me. You know, like, we're not bringing that many people here, but but it gets you excited and feeling good about what you're doing, and you feel like there's leadership that cares about the health 
and success of the business community, as opposed to saying, um, how do I victimize the or, 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 or criticize the business community? I mean, we're involved in every civic organization that there is in LA after 30 years, and at every level of our organization, some of the things like, I thought what you just said was really great, Sandy. I think people love being associated with an organization that does things that are not just commercial. And um, over time, we'll do the same thing here. But to get that kind of reinforcement at every level, at every level of the state, is, is I think, just extraordinary. So, Robert? You know, uh, by the way, I worked for the governor for about 14 years. He, he called me between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m., so you're lucky if you, if you, <laughs> if you got to you during the day. But, um, you know, Catrice, for me, it's pretty simple. I have a 10-year-old son and a soon-to-be 7-year-old daughter. And so I walk out the door every day, and I look at him, and I say, okay, my job is to make sure that there are jobs available, good jobs available, for my son and my daughter when they get to you know, employment age. And that sounds maybe cliche or simple or whatever, but then you take them out into the world, and I drive them around the state that I love so much. And you know, the personal story of my son, I'm driving down 130. Uh, we take a detour to, to leave in Austin. We're coming up to Dallas see my parents, and, and he's like, Dad, why are we going by the airport? I'm like, ah, I just, just want to go out this way. I just want to show you something. He's really into architecture and construction, right? So we drive by, and I don't say anything. And sure, right off the bat, he knows exactly why. He's like, what is that? And I said, well, I, you know, that, I don't know what that is. I, I, uh, but it's a really big building, and, you know, it's coming along really well. And I, at the time, I couldn't tell him what it was. And um, obviously now um, I can. And obviously it was Tesla. It was Giga Texas. And... We, we, the whole drive, he started talk, he was talking to me about, okay, well, what are they building there? Like, what, what is it? And he was just fascinated by it. And I took him back by there the other day and showed him, and I said, you know, this is why I do what I do, because this is a physical manifestation of how great it is, but the amount of lives that will change for, for the better. And, and obviously, it's just one example um, with what they are bringing to town, what Sandy and her organization will bring to town, what Josh and his organization will bring to town. And, and to have this kind of experience. So again, for me, it's just really simple. And that's that, you know, I drive around town all the time. My kids ask me what cranes are what. You know, I can tell them about some things, can't tell them about other things. Um, but th that excitement, you know, they, they don't know any different. They just expect that. They just think that's reality. But obviously I know that's not. And I know there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. So for me, any opportunity I get to, to demonstrate, you know, kind of physically what we're doing and the impact that it leaves, um, you know, I'm all over it. And for me, that's the drive every day. So that's, um, it's very easy to, to wake every day and go, you know, tackle the inbox when you start thinking about the kind of impact that it can have, you know, realistically on other people's lives. So for me, it's very easy. You're going to bring them by Sandy's building when they're in, in April. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm like, so, hey, yeah, by the way, my kid's good. really, you know, he likes golf. So we want to come up and come see the new facility. So Perfect. That's so great. Um, Josh said, it's a, it's a tough question. And there's so many different ways to answer it. But I think about professionally and personally, I have an amazing opportunity and responsibility to lead the diversity, equity, and inclusion charge for the PJ of America, and really the golf industry at large, uh, holistically. And I get so excited because I truly don't think there's a better place where I could do that for our company and myself professionally than in a market like this. So that, that's what I'm really most excited about. So thank you again for, for being here today and listening to our insights and, and personal stories. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'd like to
like to welcome Linda to the stage. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Do you guys have, guys have any questions for us? And I'm standing up so I can see. The, <laughs> absolutely. So what's the timeline? When you started thinking, you started thinking about moving from thinking about it to doing it. You know, we started thinking about it non-seriously probably five years ago because we could sort of see the, you know, you kind of read the tea leaves. And I, I think that COVID really was a chance to just think way out of the box in many different ways. And when that hit, it just, you know, it, it was a chance to just reconsider everything. It taught us that we could work with multiple, we knew we could work with multiple offices already, but it made us less fearful of it. It, it taught us how important it was to be thinking about all these non-economic types of factors. It was just, I think that was the wake up call. So, so we got really serious right after COVID. And then, you know, within, a year, we were we were well down the road. So it took us a year and a quarter, maybe. It was it was very quick. I started having a lot of conversations with others who were much further ahead, and who had been planning for a much longer period of time, um, because I, I thought you know we're not going to replicate the work that you know Goldman Sachs does or or others. But if, as long as they're happy to share it, I was happy to be a recipient. You like your time frame? Uh, sure. Conversations at our company started in 2014, 2015, obviously not specific to Frisco, but the idea of, of making a move. Uh, if I recall correctly, I think the formal announcement was in 2018 to our, to our people that we were going to make the move. And then the move has been happening since that time. Um, if, if we had to do something over, it would be to shorten the relocation timeline and it would be a year. Um, this three-year, whatever it is, timeline of relocating people um, has been incredibly difficult from a cultural perspective. Throw a pandemic on top of it and all the other things that are going on in the world. Um, th that is the one thing we would change. I would recommend, like, do it in a year, bite the bullet, get it over with. People are either going or they're not going. But to drag it out over three years, is, it's been difficult. But, uh, but that's been our timeline. Thank you. Any other questions? Well, if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what else does. I mean, this has really been a great conversation, and thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Texas. Uh, we love having you here. And uh, for those of you who don't know, a lot of our members are involved in the development of the PGA campus. So you keep Keep them coming, Robert, because that gives everyone in this room a job. <laughs> so we really appreciate that. Uh, we really strive to put together great programs for you all. And so as we are going through the year, we will have some really tremendous educational programs for you to get together and to see each other, but also to learn something. And hopefully you've learned something today. Thank you so much to Bank of Texas and Stuart Title. We really appreciate your constant support, Dan. Uh, we really um, can't do this without you, and we appreciate that. Um, and additionally, if you in, have noticed in your program, we have some upcoming programs. So we're going to be doing a program in March uh, back at the Arts District Mansion uh, for breakfast, Market Matters, and we'll be talking about the multifamily industry. We're really excited about that. And for those of you who haven't heard, and I'm really proud of this. The Real Estate Council was just named by the Dallas Business Journal as a leader in diversity. This is a very important initiative for us. Our chairman, Kim Butler, has decided that this is going to be the thing that she's going to focus on this year. And we're looking forward to working with you all on that. And also, the work we're doing in the Forest District through Trek Community Investors 
is really going to be showing some great progress, so hopefully you'll come and see the work that our members have been engaged in for the last three years. Thanks for being here. Come back again the next time we see you, and uh, our, we are adjourned. Thank you. That's it for today's show. I'd like to again thank our speakers for their participation. Catrice Hardy of the Dallas Morning News, Robert Allen of the Texas Economic Development Corporation, Sandy Cross of the PGA of America, and Joshua Friedman of Canyon Partners. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Bank of Texas, Stuart Title, and the Dallas Morning News for their support of Speaker Series. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube for more from the Real Estate Council. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.